wake up and get out of bed Don't delay your sleepy head Grab a seat on the couch Listen to what we're talking about In a Saturday morning pajamas This is Robin Leach and welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous No, no, wait that's not it. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Pour yourself a bowl of cereal, grab a spot on the couch, and join us in our Saturday morning pajamas. I'm your host, Jax, and today I'm here with a new segment that I like to call Saturday morning pajamas classics. These are going to be films that have reached the classic status in the term of they've been out for 20 years, and they're still really good movies that you should check out. Uh, and we're using this loose definition of the term classics. You know, we're not using this to mean... Classical theater were just classic movie. Old movie. Okay? Got it? Good. So today's entry, we're going to take a look at 1995's Tales from the Hood. This is a film which I remember watching years ago and really enjoying. I liked it because it was different from a lot of other films that were out. It's no polite way to say this. So it basically has the, as Walmart calls it, urban feel. Yeah. Sure. Anyways, it features a lot of African-American actors. In fact, that's like 99% of the cast, which is very different. But it also had production value of mm, maybe not a big budget, but a, a decent film of the time. So you got the mixture of something with good writing, really good acting, great scripts, all this mixed together with a different audience in mind. So I thought it was very... It was very different and caught my eye, and I really enjoyed it. Do I watch a lot of these movies? No, because hearing the N-word 60 times and then just listening to a lot of gangster rap, not totally my thing. You know, give me some punk rock, give me some pop music, maybe a little country, something. Give me a little bit more happy-feeling movies. Be good. Give me something with really bad CGI, and we're even better because... Y'all remember Piranaconda, right? Next week, we're doing Triassic Attack, and maybe maybe we'll go to Frankenfish. I don't know, but we're going to get to this. <laughs> but let's we're focused about today's film. So, Tales from the Hood is an anthology film. Those who are not aware of anthology or want to know their examples, it's basically where we have a film that has a few different stories. Think about all those Simpsons episodes where the family falls asleep or someone telling a story and we hear from each uh, three different members of the family. Here's the best example. Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, horror episodes. Those are anthologies because we have the you know, the treehouse is our wraparound and then each story that someone tells, like the Raven, uh, the school bus, the one with the Rock'em Sock'em robots. Yeah, each of those is like a different little story in the anthology. So that's basically what type of world movie we're looking at. So without further ado, let's get into what the plot is of the film. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about also what I like about each different anthology entry. Um, there will be spoilers. However, still check it out because I'm still saying it's a really good film. Um, right now, it is currently free on to watch if you have a Showtime subscription. And you can watch it on your TV or through Amazon. If you don't have a, a subscription... It's, like, super expensive to buy on Amazon. I'm, I swear the DVD's, like, 50 bucks or something. Don't ask me. They need to print more copies of this. It's a good movie. I couldn't even find this at the Rasputin used DVD store down the street. So, 
this is something that if you want to watch, you might pay the four bucks to rent from Amazon. But if you're lucky enough to catch it, check it out. Okay, story time. <laughs> so our little overarching wraparound story involves these three thugs, little gangbangers, guys, whatever. I don't remember their names. We have the tall, bald one, the really scrawny one, and then we have the one that's just like really like basically the wuss. So they're all kind of wussy in the end, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So these three guys show up at a funeral home. They received they had received a call saying that there was some drugs or the shit as they keep referring to it, and they want you know buy it off the funeral director so they can go sell it on the street. Well, the funeral director he is a little kooky, a little bit tweaky, may have tried a bit of the shit himself, you know, for all we know with the way he acts, but. He insists first on talking to the guys for a bit. And so that's how we're getting to our stories. He's, as they're going through the funeral home, he stops to tell them about how different people died. Because, you know, there's the caskets there, and what else is the guy going to do? You know, smell the night. So our first tale is about this guy named Clarence. Clarence is a rookie cop, and he is out on patrol with his partner, a seasoned veteran. We'll refer to his partner as... Mm, Whitey. So, Whitey and Clarence pull up on a traffic stop. We'll call it a routine traffic stop. I hope not, but for these guys it probably is. And there's two other cars there. And basically there is... They have pulled over this guy uh, for reasons that really aren't clear. Um, they... It comes to... Clarence finds out that this guy is actually... The guy they pulled over is actually a political agitator. That's what it says in the police system, but really he's someone who's campaigning to get dirty cops off the streets. You know, there's a bunch of crooked cops around in the 6th precinct, and he wants them gone. He wants, you know, good cops on the streets, taking care of the people, not hurting the people by selling them drugs. Well, all the cops, the other cops, they basically send Clarence off to go do a little report, which is how he finds out all this. And while he's doing that, they start roughing up this guy named Morehouse. Um, they actually rough him up so much that, you know what, someone's going to report them. So they frame Morehouse and kill him. Clarence, meanwhile, is, he's weak-willed. He His character's weak-willed. Basically what happens is he lets himself believe the lies like, oh no, Morehouse pulled a gun on them. Oh no, Morehouse did something to deserve this. Oh, we didn't do anything. No, Morehouse refused to go to the hospital. We really tried to take him there. Right, right. Yeah, Whitey. Good job. So, Clarence, you know, feels guilt. And instead of reporting them, he just quits the force because he's disenchanted. Quits the force, takes up a new hobby, drinking. He gets the day done, basically. We then revisit Clarence a year later when he's, like, totally washed up. And he starts to hear voices and see visions of Morehouse. And he is convinced to go and gather up these cops from the night where, you know, for reasons. Reasons might be that Morehouse's spirit comes to life and kills them all. There's a great decapitation. Special effects may not be, you know, on par with uh, Weta's workshop and Lord of the Rings. But it's interesting. And it's not too shabby, if I do say so myself, having been a horror aficionado since I was a young child. So, 
no, kudos, kudos, uh, basically kills the cops, and then his last thing to do is go after Clarence because Clarence didn't do anything. Yes, Clarence helped Morehouse get vengeance, but if Clarence had stood up that night, this wouldn't have happened. So, Clarence is basically, he's not killed, he is, ends up in jail, and then he's deemed mentally unfit, probably because he saw a talking spirit of a dead guy, but whatever. And so, you know, that's the end of that story. <laughs> really, there's a lot more to it, but it's something that you have to check out to get all the details, but that's the story. And that one I liked, it's, it's not my favorite out of the four stories, but it is a really good story and really good telling of, like, why crooked cops suck. Good cops. Yay. We then go to our second tale. And this one is basically about this kid named Walter. We start seeing Walter. Uh, we start off with Walter. He's, Walter's in his room. He's, like, probably eight or something. And he is just terrified. He's sitting in his bed terrified at night, looking at his door, and you hear these growling, these strange monster noises outside his door and this scene kind of repeats a little bit um, and later we even see that he's actually blocked his door furniture but you know we're not sure what's on their side of the door our only clue is that walter is new to school uh, and so we are intercut with scenes of him at school and he has bruises on his arms or he has a black eye and this must be the most unluckiest kid because he just started the school and his first day he gets in a fight all the kids surround him and start beating him up. Little shits. Luck. And that's when they actually, the teachers actually notice the black eye. Not before, but after he gets in the fight. Then they notice, like, the three-day-old black eye. Teacher, I'm, I get you have a lot of students, but he was new to class. You just introduced him. You talked to the kid and stood up right next to him. You didn't notice this? Okay. Over, teachers are overworked, underpaid. Moving on. So... I'm using so way too much, so I'm so, like, so sorry. So, it's okay. <laughs> so, with Walter having the bruises, you know, we, we intercut with scenes of him showing up to school with bruises. Uh, not sure what's going on. We, you know, there's a monster at home. And when he's asked about it, he says, the monster did it. And, of course, no one believes him. And Walter says, he said you won't believe me. They ask about, you know, well, you know, have you talked to your parents or anything? And he's like, Really doesn't say anything. He all we get out of that scene is that his dad's dead. Okay. Nowadays, I have a friend who's a teacher. You call CPS on this shit. This no, the teacher decides the best course of action when a kid comes to school with bruises is to go to the kid's home and talk to his mother because she's gonna know where he's getting bruises, right? I mean, of course she couldn't be the one giving him bruises. She's not in the story, but still, you just a little irksome. I'm just like, you have got to be like stupidest. Really, just, how did you not see you were making things worse? So, anyways, the teacher goes to the house and the talk talks to her, shows him pictures that Walter drew of the monster, um, which is like just think so think like Sully, but a little bit creepier and green with horns, like scary horns. Yeah, and that's kind of the monster. There. Well, the mom gets mad at Walter because she's told him not to make up stories and what have you. Then she gets a frightened look on her face because her boyfriend, I think, yeah, boyfriend comes home. Um, and and mom just tells the boyfriend that the teacher stopped off some homework, but no, the teacher has to talk to the boyfriend as well, talk about, Walter's telling me about a monster, and he has bruises, and I don't know if you guys know anything about this. And 
They placate the teacher, say they'll take care of it and nothing to worry about, whatever. Teacher leaves. And then we cut our cut to Walter in his room scared. We hear the monster growling. Then the door opens and we're just looking at Walter as we see the shadow of the monster on the wall. And then the monster comes, stops forward into the frame and it's the stepdad. Come on, called it. It's the stepdad. Or stepdad. It's the boyfriend. And he starts beating up Walter. The mom tries to help Walter. So now he starts beating up the mom. And it is just all horrible and they're screaming for help. We're in pain. Teacher hears this because he's still outside. He runs in to save them. When he's in there, then he starts fighting with the boyfriend because the boyfriend's such an asshole that, you know, this can not, definitely not end well for, this can totally not have any negative impact to him. You know, he's going to win because he's that much of an asshole. Um, we then get a call back to an earlier part of the story where a girl in Walter's class told him what she was told to do by her parents or her aunt or someone is draw a picture of what's scaring you and then destroy it and that thing won't bother you anymore. I'm sure they meant this in a way to, like, let your mind free. Well, Walter apparently has, like, the gift because he grabs the picture of the monster and starts folding it. And when he does, the arm breaks on the boyfriend. So he starts smushing it and he just basically crumples this guy into a bloody pole. But then, and, you know, all is well because the guy can't beat you up if his arms and legs and neck and body and spine is all broken. He's, of course, still yelling, this ain't over, bitch, but, you know... Dude, you're a bloody pulp. You are screwed. And that is our story about domestic violence. Interesting fact I do want to say about this particular story is that the boyfriend is actually paid by David Allen Greer. Now, you may recognize him from In Living Color. And this is like a really, like a switch completely 180 from what you know him for for comedy. I think he did such an amazing job in this role. Like, you really, he did really good at, um, he was really good at his acting, acting and emotions and acting, sorry. He did really good at portraying this character of such an asshole that you forget he's usually this happy-go-lucky guy. So I, it makes me kind of interested to see, like, does he have other more serious roles that he's done? Because I'd love to see him in some of those roles. Tale number three. Okay, this one's going to involve a little bit more setup. So, in the southern United States, there was this plantation home from pre-Civil War. After the Civil War, the plantation owner was not happy about having to set his solve his slaves free, so he killed them all, you know, as one is wont to do. Well, after, sometime later, they don't specify, but later on, this voodoo woman named Mrs. Miss Cobbs purchases a plantation and... All these slaves, they were basically buried in a mass grave, so their souls never got to go to rest. So she, you know, knits or sews a, this little rag doll for each of their souls, so, you know, so they can have a place to rest. Okay, that's the backstory. So now it's nowadays, and there's this dude who used to be a Klansman, and he's running for governor. And he hopes to get the racist vote, so he moves into a very politically charged area, and he moves into this particular plantation. Um, it's said that on the plantation that these dolls are still there because no one ever found them. So he's going to make some money off the dolls, but he hasn't found any yet. Well, there's protesters on his lawn. He can't find the dolls. He doesn't give a shit. He's just trying to win governor and being a racist prick. Well, tragedy and weird things start to happen. 
mainly the guy he hired to be his image consultant uh, accidentally trips and falls down the stairs and dies. Mm, most movies, they don't die when they fall down the stairs, but this one they did. Um, and it just so happens at the time, they had been there was a video camera around because they were practicing media stuff. Whatever. So after the funeral, thing, uh, the dolls, one of the dolls appears. But it's like in a really strange, it feels like strange places where it never could have gotten, so no clue how it got there. But there's a doll. Then, while reviewing that tape from the video camera, the wannabe governor sees a sees one of the dolls was actually at the sitting at the top of the stairs, right after the guy fell. Hmm. So, so 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 okay. The basically the dolls start coming to life and start attacking him. He starts fighting them because it's just one at a time. But then it's not. Then. It's more dolls and more until he's surrounded by like 200 dolls and they go at him. They attack him. Think like a piranha attack. Think the beginning of Jurassic Park 2 when those dinosaurs are attacking the little girl. They just go at him. So, I gotta stop saying so. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and in the end, Miss Cobbs actually appears, her spirit at least, or something. And just smiling because this guy's getting what he deserves. Like... You know, he aggregated. The protesters warned him. There was one really particular protester who was like, you should leave. They're going to get you. They don't want you there. And, you know, while that guy really wasn't a fan of the governor, you know, at least he looked out for his life. So, should have listened. Alright, our fourth and final tale is about Crazy K. Now, this one, this one's where it gets a little trippy. So, I swear I will stop saying so at some point. Thank you all for sticking with me. I am working on. <laughs> K kills this. I took notes. It's fine. So crazy K. Uh, I think his real name's Jerome. So where the K came from? Ketamine? I don't know. They don't say. We start out with K. K is driving down the street and he sees this guy named Deke. Deke supposedly been talking shit about him, so K went and killed Deke. Well, this happened to be in front of a house where three of Deke's boys were, so they ran outside in an attempt to kill Kay. But before they can kill him, the cops show up, and the three guys get killed by the cops. Kay is then taken to jail, and he's basically going to be there for life, because he's done a lot of shit. An opportunity comes up for Kay to undergo some behavioral modification in exchange for release. Then Clockwork Orange. So this modification involves, first off, some image therapy or ocular therapy. or Basically, he is just shown a lot of image clips of clans members, uh, lynchings, um, gang, um, gang fights, gang killings, all that type of stuff basically to show him black-on-black -black crime. Or not black-on-black, -black, but basically African-Americans, whoever, getting killed and, you know, try to get through to him that you're doing the same thing they are. You know, all these people you've killed... They were the same color as you, and, you know, this got to stop. You know, this, there's no point to this. That's step one. Step two is K getting lowered into a sem sensory deprivation shaft, we'll call it. Yeah, seriously, it's like you, they, like, low. he's, like, sitting in a wooden chair that they lower with ropes and then drop the ropes because they never take him out of there, I guess. Um, and they chop the light. Now, we have to see what's going on in K's mind, so... Really good use of what effects you have is strobe lights. And so we're just seeing flashes of light as we see people walking and 
case start seeing people appearing him. First, they start one at a time or one group at a time. People he's killed. For example, there was his friend who was killed, who Kay killed because his friend was coming up short all the time. Then there was four guys who were victims of a drive-by. Then there was a little girl who just happened to be playing in her room and got struck, struck by a stray bullet. And then we start seeing a lot of people come up at once. Like, they're all ta over-talking. And it's starting to mess up Kay's. He's yelling back, like, it ain't my fault. I don't care. Uh, and then the, la the lady who's running the whole test thing, she shows up. And she's asking, you know, talking to Kay, saying, see what you've done. How many lives you've ruined. You know, and he is the, and see what nightmare you've caused. Like, what about my nightmare? I was born into this, and she's like, well, whose fault is it? The world's? Yeah, it's the world's fault. They did this to me, and so I get to make a nightmare for them. Well, after him yelling back for a bit, we then cut back to when, to earlier when he was surrounded by the three guys from Deke's crew, and we see what really happened. No, the cops didn't show up. Not now, at least. No, the three guys shot Kay, and they they left. Yeah, so that's the last story. And at this point, we go back to the funeral home, and the three guys, Baldy, Scrawny, and Wimpy, they're pissed. They are getting really aggravated. The funeral director hasn't told them what's going on, where the shit is, whatever. They want, you know, they want now. And then it's revealed that they were the three who had killed Kay. And then they threatened to take care of the director as well if you didn't get them the shit right now. Okay, okay. Director sees they're serious. I give. She takes them downstairs to a room in the basement where there's three coffins. And says, where else would I hide the shit? It's in the coffins. So each guy walks up to a coffin and one by one they open the coffins. Cookies for those who have guessed where this is going. Yes, it's actually them in the coffins. Funeral director reveals that after you shot Kay, some of his boys came and shot you. That can't be right. We're not dead. And that's when we get some powerful acting by the funeral director. This ain't no funeral home. It ain't the tarot dome neither. Welcome to hell, motherfuckers. Okay, he says it a little bit more serious than that, but it's seriously an awesome line. And then the walls fall away. The funeral director turns into the devil with the horns and the muscles and the flames and brimstone and toil, toil, toil. Cut to credits. That's the basis for the movie for each little story. Wow, that took me like 20 minutes. <laughs> so overall, as I mentioned earlier, I really like this movie. My favorite of the stories is the one with the governor, actually, the racist guy. Just because the doll part always stuck with me. Uh, I thought it was really creative use of the different mythology in that particular in that particular story, as well that it it was a little different. I mean, there's definitely a lot better uh, more imagery in other ones, but this one I thought was creative and just personally I liked it. And it was good to see that racist asshole get his just desserts. <laughs> uh, and a little tidbit is I remember oh this had to be like late no the early 2000s I lived with my parents at the time and I was upstairs watching this movie for the first time on TV when the movie was done I go downstairs to like eat dinner or get something to drink or something well in the living room at the time my stepmom had a doll collection uh, she'd been keeping one for years I know there's like cabbage patch dolls or something in there because I'd use it from school project all this stuff 
Well, there have to be a little rag doll in there that looks just like one of the ones from the movie. And I'm sitting there going, Cat? My stepmom's name is Cat. Cat? How long have you had this doll? <laughs> and it was just, it was just like perfect timing. I also really liked the, the actor who portrayed the devil. I thought he really did a good job with his lines. He, I mean, yeah, kind of predictable now if you want to think about it. But he still did a really good job of selling his character. Everyone played everything very straight. Everything was really too corny. While there was a lot of gangsters in the movie, um, gangbangers, whatever, they they didn't overplay them, as you'll sometimes see in, for example, the, the police procedurals on TV and such. You might see them overplay certain um, stereotypes. They, they, don't, they didn't overdo that in this movie, which I thought was really good, which helped just to make it a little bit more enjoyable. Overall, I would recommend checking out this movie. It is something different. If you are averse to cursing, this is not the movie for you. If hearing the N-word bothers you and you cannot separate context, and understand that's just part of the movie, you, don't, you, know, you know when not to say words, okay? You know, if that, if that word bothers you, this may not be for you. If you ever see this on network TV, which I doubt you will because of all the bleeping, but if you ever hear it's going to be on network TV, tell me because I need to hear what they change all these words to because <laughs> that's going to be some damn fine entertainment there <laughs> well how about does it for today um x-men apocalypse is out this weekend i at the moment don't have tickets to see it but i'm hoping to get out there so there's possible that we might have a special episode this weekend if i get to go if not then i will have to see everyone on tuesday for the next episode and 10 to 1 we're doing Triassic Attack, uh, unless I find something better. Um, but I would love to hear from all of you. So let me know. Do you have something better that you'd rather me do? You know, Leave me a comment at nonoms.net. That's www.nonoms.net. Uh, let me know what you think. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All those are linked at the website as well. Um, if you do happen to check out the website, please take a moment to check out the Audible link because we do have that free Audible trial where you get a 30-day trial, get a free audiobook, really good deal. Gone over before, but if you haven't, you know, had the chance, check it out. It's free for 30 days. You can get the subscription, get your free audiobook, cancel it, keep your within two days, keep your audiobook for life. Because I still have my book, my first trial that I did like two years ago. And you know what? I money was tight. I had to cancel it for a while and still kept the book. So you can do it. <laughs> um, as well, if you really want to support me, you can be my Podbean patron. There is going to be like on the blog post as well. Um, I do want to thank all my listeners on Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iTunes. Uh, the list goes on. Just whatever format you're listening on, thank you. I love all of you. I look forward to getting some feedback from you. And you know what? Let's add a question for the week. What was your, you know, what's your favorite movie from the mid-90s? Let's go back 20 years. So we'll say, you know, 95, 96. What is your favorite movie from that time? What's your favorite movie that you think is underrated? What movie do you think I should check out to share with everyone else? Let me know. You know, nonoms.net, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those places you can find me. And until next time, 
Hope you all enjoy the movies, and I will see you then. Bye.